Hi, I'm Talia and I am the host of Compassionate Conversations podcast series two. In series two, we will hear from inspiring people who work for and with young people. Each episode is designed to share ways of empowering the next generation to ensure they have the tools to go on to have mentally healthy futures. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media, Single Parents Wellbeing. Hello and welcome. We have lovely Lily with us here today. She is from the press team based in London and we're going to have a conversation around her job in the Mental Health Foundation. Hi Lily. Hi Talia, thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, looking forward to it. Oh, so let's start with, before we go into your job role and all the amazing things you've been doing, can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, so I'm Lily, I'm 26. I'm originally from a little village in North Yorkshire, but I've lived down here in London for about two and a half years. And yes, yeah, so I work as part of the communications and press team. And that's yeah, my area of expertise. Wow, that's so cool. Moving from like Yorkshire to London, that's a big yeah, it's, it's a big difference. It's very different, but it's so, all good. You miss the countryside. Yeah, definitely. I've just been up there actually and I've been up some lovely walks, but back to city life now. Yeah, that's so nice. I'm the same. I'm like a country girl at heart because I come from Canada, like surrounded by greenery. But Cardiff, you know, we're still like, there's a lot of greenery here. So I'm yeah. Uh, yeah. What about your family? So I have two younger sisters. So one's 16, one's 10, so quite a bit younger than me. So yeah, they're back at home with my parents, my dog, my cat, my tortoise. So oh. all, lots of stuff going on back up north. But, oh, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> all right. So can you tell us about Mental Health Foundation and your role within that? Yeah, of course. So I work as part of the media team at the Mental Health Foundation. So this means helping to organise any press coverage of the foundation and their work, sort of arranging interviews with our experts, and as well as doing that for this year's um, Mental Health Awareness Week, which was last month, I was part of the team that captured real-life experiences of loneliness to help support this media campaign. Yeah. I'll just add in as well. So that's how how me and Lily know each other, because we met, like, when was it? Like, last month sometime? Maybe even a bit before that, yeah. Honestly, time just flies so fast. (laughs) To me, it feels like last week. But it was a couple of months ago and we met and Lily interviewed me asking my experience of loneliness. And so, yeah, we had a conversation around that. So I've been looking forward to hearing about, like, the rest of the campaigning and, like, the outcome of the week. (laughs) So what led you to work for the Mental Health Foundation? I think so what I enjoy about working with the foundation is sort of working for an organisation with purpose and knowing that the work that I do is connecting with people all around the country and hopefully helping to sort of break the stigma around mental health. Yeah. So the week, the people we spoke to had some really amazing stories. They just needed some help to articulate them. So it was really, it felt really good to be able to use my sort of skills as a copywriter to use these stories to life and see the national press interest yeah so yeah it's just to work with an organization you know that's doing good yeah it's a main driver for me yeah me and Rachel actually really appreciated that about how it was written like the stories that you wrote on what we were saying because it was like you really captured everything we were trying to say and some things Mm -hmm. quite difficult to find the words and 
Um, exactly. Yeah, really like pinpoint our experiences. And we felt that, yeah, you really did that. And it was just really well articulated. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Mental Health Awareness Week. What was the campaign and like what did this involve? Okay, so yes, yeah, so every May the foundation hosts Mental Health Awareness Week. So that's been going for 22 years and it's an annual event which sees all of the UK focused on achieving good mental health. So every year the foundation sets a theme. So this year's was loneliness and then organises and hosts the week. And it's now one of the biggest awareness weeks across the UK. So as you mentioned, this theme this year was loneliness. So our research team did some polling and research to sort of show the link between loneliness and, and poor mental health, um, to, which sort of helped break the stigma around loneliness and get people talking. And then the policy team also used this research to challenge the government and recommend policies that can help improve all of our mental health. So sort of in the media team, for me, that was speaking to people like you with their own experiences, and then which helped sort of grow the reach with media releases, sharing those findings. So just get, getting as many people as you can talking about loneliness. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. What did you discover about people and like mental health from just listening to people's stories and experiences? I think I've discovered that loneliness can and does affect everyone. There are probably some misconceptions that loneliness is an older person's problem, but that's definitely not the case. We spoke to a lot of younger people who have also experienced loneliness, especially people across the countries, different ages, different backgrounds. We found that it is something that can and does affect all of us. Yeah. I hadn't written this like question in advance, but were you expecting that? to be the same case for everybody that everyone has experienced loneliness or did that come to a surprise to yourself as well I think I wasn't completely surprised I didn't think that it was just older people that felt lonely but I was surprised at sort of the volume of younger people that we spoke to and sort of and also people with families that you might not expect who are sort of surrounded by people you might not expect to experience loneliness but we all do we all can there's a big difference between being alone and feeling lonely a lot of us like our own company it's a big yeah. difference yeah definitely yeah I read something as well recently that said like you can be in a room filled with people and still feel lonely yeah exactly so sort of loneliness is all about the connections that we want to have and the connections that we do have and when there's a missing when that's a disparity between those two things that's when we feel lonely so some people might not need loads of connections and some people do need them so they're all different yeah yeah, definitely. Did you discover anything that you hadn't previously expected? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for me is that there's still a lot of stigma around loneliness, despite it being something that most of us are going to feel at some points of our lives. We still found that some people feel very ashamed to admit that they're feeling lonely and don't know how to say it. Some people found that they were more comfortable talking about suffering from anxiety or depression than they did about feeling lonely. I think it was quite surprising for me. Yeah, that is quite surprising. It's sad, really, because especially because so many if people aren't feeling lonely right now, they probably have at some point in their Mm -hmm. life would be able to relate. Exactly. I wonder where the shame comes from, I guess, from just not having those conversations. Yeah, I wonder if people maybe sort of think that it's sort of their fault or there's something wrong with them. Why don't they have all these connections? Why don't they have all these friends? But as I mentioned earlier, that's not the case some people like their own company and it's fine and we're all different and we've all experienced big changes so it's natural to feel lonely at some points in your life yeah. so there's nothing to be ashamed about 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's so interesting. So what was the outcome of the week after you had, you know, collected all these stories and spread the word, got the word out? Yeah, so the week went really, really well. We're all really pleased with how it went. So the real life experiences. So we wrote these up as stories that went on our website and then we sort of what's called sold them into the press to see if anyone was interested. And they ended up being shared by ITV News, BBC, Metro, Independent, Yorkshire Post, Pink News. So we really managed to get the word out. And what was also fantastic is we saw several government announcements on funding, sort of help combat loneliness, which is really fantastic to see that change. These all happened during the week. One of our interviewees, one of the real life stories, even spoke at the foundation's parliamentary event during the week. So this is a reception in parliament put on by the foundation which is attended by ministers, MPs, and the charity leaders. And he gave a speech about his experience, which was really wonderful. I felt really proud of him for oh. doing that. So I think that was a personal highlight. Yeah, that, do that. that's so good. Yeah, so, yeah, really pleased with how it all went. That's really... And it needs to keep going as well. Hopefully people, it's not just about that one week, hopefully people keep talking about loneliness in the weeks and months to come. Yeah, definitely. I was actually speaking to a friend about that earlier and saying how I was a little bit disappointed because I saw one of the like it was a PowerPoint that you guys sent out, which was a part of raising awareness for mental health. And mm-hmm. it had a little link of all the things that you could do to like contribute, which was like coffee mornings. And there was like, I think like parachuting or something <laughs> to raise like sponsorships and things. And I was thinking of doing like a coffee morning on the actual week and I was like oh damn it I've missed it and then we were just laughing about it because it's just one of those ones that you can just do at any point because it's not something yeah, that stops and to like just keep it going keep the momentum going even though the actual week is over yeah exactly keep going yeah so from the conversations that you've had with young people, what were some of the main things that people said about loneliness and mental health and things that helped them? Yes, yeah, so we spoke to a lot of young people and this included the young leaders team at the foundation. So this is a group of diverse young people who helped to shape and influence the work of the foundation development, to make sure there's always a young voice. And it was really interesting to hear what loneliness meant to them. So some of them described it as a colour, there's a place and others are sort of a loss of purpose or a detachment. So I think it's really interesting when we think about how young people are technically more connected to their friends and family than any other generation, like social media and Zoom. You can always talk to someone, but they still experience loneliness. So I thought that was really interesting. Some of the things they listed as helping them were joining clubs, attending classes. A lot of people mentioned volunteering. Pushing yourself out of your comfort zone just that little bit and trying something new really helps to build your confidence and new connections. Some people use apps such as Bumble and Meetup. So obviously, Bumble's known for being a dating app. There's also a friends section on it that can help you connect with people who've got similar interests. We also spoke to one lady who said, who advised just being patient with yourself. So all lots of new connections can be quite overwhelming. So she sort of recommended thinking about what you want from life being intentional about the groups and circles that you want to join that was some really good advice yeah that is really good advice yeah being intentional mm-hmm. yeah you don't have to go to every single group there is just thinking about what you enjoy and what you like and sort of pursuing those leads yeah definitely that sounds really good not overwhelming yourself with too much at one mm-hmm. time yeah exactly yeah that's really interesting do you have any other like stories that you would want to add without saying names and things? I'm trying to think there was so many stories. So one lady, she 
I'd felt quite lonely all my entire life, again, a young person. And then she went, is when she went to university and she was doing really well and it gained that confidence. So I think confidence is quite a good thing. And she was someone who did volunteering and pushed herself to do something new. I think that's a really good story. Another man um, who felt very lonely did exercise, which you all know is really good for our mental health, pushing yourself and getting into a routine. Yeah. All lots of good advice. And then, yeah. Getting out your comfort zone sounds like a good one. Mm-hmm. Going to the gym is something that I want to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know for me that that always makes me feel better, even though it might take some motivation to get there. Yeah, Once definitely. Finish, like, oh, never regret it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's really interesting. And what about parallels? Is there any parallels between the stories? So one thing for me was seeing that how many of these people were physically surrounded by people but still felt lonely. Of course, some people lived alone and didn't have those meaningful connections, and this did exacerbate their loneliness. But a lot of people had happy families, relationships, friends, and they still felt lonely. So it just showed, again, what I was saying about there being a difference between being alone and feeling lonely and having that disparity between the connections that you want and need and those that you actually have. That that was a parallel, I think, that ran through most. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And what is your mental health manifesting? So I think it all has to be about prevention, Across society, we need to work towards spotting the signs of poor mental health before they develop into mental health problems or illnesses. So this is, again, why loneliness was chosen for this year's theme, because we know that loneliness in itself isn't a mental health condition, but we know that it can develop into something more serious, into another serious health problem. So I think we need to sort of work with, when we're talking about young people, with schools, university, youth and community groups, so that everyone is really well equipped to spot the signs of someone struggling or poor mental health so that we can step in before they develop into something more serious. So prevention. Yeah. Yeah. So if you visit the Mental Health Foundation website, there's loads of advice and information from our research team and experts. So definitely advise going on there. Yeah. And you can check out all of the stories. Are they still on there? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Please do have a look. Some really interesting and inspiring stories for everyone to read. Yeah, definitely. And I think even just from reading, people can just feel comforted that they're not alone. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things as well with the stories. You can see everyone from all walks of life, people that you think, oh, I wouldn't expect them to be lonely, but they are and they have experienced it. So it definitely means shows that you are not alone in feeling like this. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good message. Yeah. Thanks so much. And last but not least, my favourite question (laughs) We always ask, this is like our signature question, we always ask everyone who comes on here, which is a bit more of a personal question. But if you can go back and say anything to your younger self, what would it be? I actually really enjoyed thinking about this question. So I think I'd say just go back. I'd say just be patient and don't be so hard on yourself. I think your younger years can be really difficult. There's so much change going on, whether that's going to uni, going to travel, getting your first job, moving out. So my advice would probably just like don't feel pressure to do something because you think it's what you should be doing or that's what other people your age seem to be doing. I don't know. There's no right way to be 21 or 25 or 30. It's like some people are going out every night and living in the big cities. Some people are buying their first home. There's no right or wrong way. So I'd say just, yeah, can I go back and say don't feel that you need to do something just because everybody else is? Yeah, that's such a good one. 
Yeah, it's funny because my dad says something similar last night and he was in a very like reflective mood and he was saying exactly that. He was saying like the amount of pressure of when he was younger, when he sees so many other younger people who experience the pressure of just like the different milestones in life and what other people are doing and where you're at and where they're at. And yeah, just I think, in- yeah, I also think like Instagram and things like that don't really help. When you can no, sort of see cool. nobody posts their bad days I think it's important to remember everyone yeah. posts the really good and exciting things and places they're going and if you're not there or you that's just not for you exactly it's that's fine that's fine and just to learn to be comfortable with where you're at with things and yeah your own you know pace exactly exactly <laughs> uh, well I think that's everything for today thanks so much for sharing thank about- you the week and thanks for joining us thank you i am really excited to now interview one of the many brave people who were willing to share their experience with loneliness and mental health with lily rachel kuehl is the co-founder of spw she is incredibly hard-working resilient compassionate and loves cuddles cats and calming cups of raspberry infusion tea bags found in sainsbury's Rachel and I are work colleagues and have become dear friends. Rachel thrives in her work, family and friendships, but hasn't always had it easy or smooth sailing. We will now hear a part of Rachel's story on the two occasions she felt especially lonely, which had a knock-on effect on her mental health. She is now an advocate for ensuring that people don't feel alone in their experience. So this is from Brenny Brown. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically and spiritually wired to love and be loved and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we were meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others and we get sick. That's it. I love that quote. Me too. That's such a perfect quote. And that actually happened to me. Yeah, well, let's go straight in with that then. Well, there's two occasions, let's get straight onto it. But there was two occasions of feeling lonely, obviously over a period of time. But since we're talking about that quote and getting sick from being lonely, I suffer with my mental health anyway. But when me and Joseph, who's my son, he was nine or ten at the time, and it was the height of the pandemic, and I was felt so lonely because we were, I'm quite a social person. So when we had isolated in the house for 10 days, firstly, I never moved from the sofa. I literally had like rheumatism in my bum because <laughs> I literally, because I just, just sat there watching Netflix, never watched so much Netflix in my life. And also, yeah, even though I've got the best son in the world, you know, he doesn't really, he was on the Xbox talking to his friends and I just literally just felt so on my own. And as a single parent as well, you know, there was no one else in the house with me. And I can remember like going outside in the garden with my black boots on and my pajamas, just standing in the middle of the garden like <laughs> an absolute weirdo. <laughs> And just thinking, oh, my God, I feel so lonely and on my own. And then, obviously, there was homeschooling stuff that added to that pressure. But then I really suffered with my mental health then because of that quote as well. Like, 
you need to have love and feel loved. And for me, I need to be hugged because like hugging to me and I love a hug. I just always feel, I think you get like a chemical release when you get yeah. hugged, don't you? Yeah. Like dopamine or yeah, I'm it's not sure. I'm not it's sure one which of the one chemicals. it is. Yeah. So I, I just felt so isolated. And usually, like, I'd be so proactive in, like, right, we're going out today, we're meeting somewhere and we're doing something. But I couldn't do that because we were isolated in the house. And, you know, it really affected my mental health. I just, I literally went down with, like, really bad depression for a bit. And we said, if we, if lockdown ever happens again, you are moving in with Lily. Oh, yeah. That was one of the occasions. The other occasion was, so I'm a single parent. And when my ex left me, I was pretty much doing stuff on my own on weekends. I'd take Joe to the park on my own. Because, like, married couples, who I had a lot of married couple friends, and they'd be off doing their own thing. And so I just felt like like I didn't want to, like... I'm sure they would spend time with me, but I, I didn't want to, like, bother them so much. And they'd be doing, like, the nuclear family thing, going away to the caravan on the weekend. So anyway, I was just, like, sitting in Ikea, just thinking, oh, my God... I am just, like, the only single parent on this planet. And I just wanted other single parents to talk to. And... How old was Joe at the time? He was just turned two. Yeah. So, you know, there was no conversation. Mm. (laughs) There was no... And I just thought, (laughs) oh, God, what do I do? And when I go to the park, I'd just be sitting on the bench on my own. And, you know, so... I had to do something, so I just put an ad on that Mems, and it was like this Bridget Jones post. It even, <laughs> it even said at the time how much I weighed. You know when she writes That's her diary, so funny. yeah, and she puts like lost two pounds a day, blah blah blah, slightly overweight, you know, and just, That's so funny. And just done this post, and I thought like I put it on NetMem so I could meet every single parent because I am quite proactive. If something happens to me, or I feel like I need to reach out, I've always been good at reaching out, even yeah. when I'm not well. Yeah, I've always been good at reaching out for help. Yeah, yeah. So I put an ad on NetMem's, and I started meeting every single parent, mm. and just. All we did was just go out. I remember going to Cardiff Castle, St. Fagans, like just go in to meet them. And it was good because they felt exactly the same. I think if you've got something in common with somebody, you automatically bond with it. Like you don't just talk about, oh, I'm a single parent, blah, blah, blah. Talk about everything. And then the children get to play with each other. And then obviously I met Amy through that. Amy, the co-founder of Single Parent Wellbeing, because she saw my post and I met her with her then. So it was like, so I met like one of my best friends from, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. Just from putting a post out on Yeah, and I met so many nice people. In the end, in the beginning, not in the end, in the beginning, but in the beginning, I met about 20 odd people and I used to email them all. And just send, like, a blog, a bit like a blog. And it just made them feel happier. It made me feel happier. 
and that's so nice was that what you emailed them all after yeah that? You, yeah you used to like meet them <laughs> and then I used to like just send an email out I used to get I have all their email addresses and I used to just email like a blog like stuff like or like just randomly me talking Aww. and everyone would like just respond and then we'd meet up again oh that's so lovely and then obviously like you know after I met Amy we started we worked together in gingerbread for a bit then we started single parents well-being yeah. and like I've met so many people from there that like I don't feel lonely anymore and the point is you really have to reach out like even if you're not a single parent I would recommend like going on meetup.com because like meetup.com is for anybody like I've never been on it but I would go on it if I needed to yeah and you connect with like you find your hobby and you like connect with log hobbies or something or something you're interested in and then you just go up and meet some people. And yeah, it is nerve-wracking because you're just meeting random people. It's a bit like going on a date and you are blind date <laughs> and you don't know them. So it's, you know, but I've always done it. And I think it's, even if you feel like that anxiety um thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm really embarrassed. I feel lonely. And there's no shame in feeling lonely because there's a lot of people do. Even, like, if a person with loads of friends sometimes feels lonely, yeah. you know? So my biggest message is, is to reach out and reach out to, if you're a single parent, reach out to people on Single Parents Wellbeing, come and join the things that we do. Or even if you're not a single parent, then, like, just go on meetup.com and, like, meet up with people on there. Like, no one needs to be alone. And people... If you are feeling lonely and you are listening to this podcast, you are not alone and you don't need to feel lonely. Just make that first step because you will meet people that you connect with. You might not connect with everybody. God, I'm not giving you no chance to ask questions. But (laughs) you might not connect with everybody, but you will connect with some people. You will have something in common. Yeah. I think the thing that I love about you is that you genuinely don't have any shame whatsoever about, (laughs) like, just any kind of emotions, really, including loneliness and... Mental health. Mental health. No. All of it, which is so helpful. Or being a single parent. Yeah. You know, I've never been ashamed of being a single parent because there's stigma out there, but I've always been like, oh, I've... You know, I'm a single parent. And then also I... No shame about mental health. No shame in saying I've got depression or anxiety. And there's no shame in saying I feel lonely. Because I can guarantee that people out there will be feeling exactly like you. Like, I expect you felt lonely. Well, you, we've said, like, lockdown. Yeah, I You felt, felt really, really lonely. lonely. Yeah, I did. So, and that's why we said, like, right next time there's lockdown, moving in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's really good. It's just such a shame that people do feel like they can't speak about it. Yeah, no, and it is a shame. But I think if we people are listening to this podcast and talk about loneliness more, like people will think, oh, actually, do you know what? I'm not embarrassed anymore. Yeah. 
because you can you know we all need people like even like you know even if you you only have a handful of people that you see or connect with and I'm very much as well if I go on even Joseph's at 11 he's he's not going out on his own yet don't want him to he will be soon because he's going to secondary school but and then I'll be like following him from a distance (laughs) but I mean from the age of two as well I've connected with some mum friends so Joseph would make friends and then I would make a beehive for is the right way to beehive no. Beeline. line. <laughs> beehive. I always You'd go and make it. a beehive. I know. So I always make a beeline for like, you know, <laughs> connecting with the mum. So I was like, oh, do you want, you know, I'd never be the one to say, oh, I'm just going to drop them off. I'd be like, I'm coming too. So, yeah, you know, that's so And we'd good. always do something Joseph would like. So go to, the, when he was younger, go to the park. It was always that, something active. And then the mum's, me and the mums, we would bond, even if they weren't a single parent. And we would just, like, really get on. And then the kids would play nicely, because Joseph's an only child. So I would connect with the mums from school as well. So it's just a case of, like, you know, I have bad days where I don't want to connect with anybody, you know? Yeah. And I have bad days where, like, I can feel, like, I know people are out there for me, but sometimes I've got anxiety, so I don't want to connect. But I sometimes I make myself, even when I don't want to. And, you know, I'm very much as well. Joseph, in the evenings, might go on the Xbox after school or play outside. And if we haven't done anything, then I'll be, like, FaceTiming. One time, I swear I FaceTimed over 15 people till someone answered. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like you know like people if they don't answer it doesn't mean they don't want to speak to you it just means they're busy so move on to the next move the next person <laughs> yeah you know and um it's always good to connect I think connecting is so important mm-hmm. and yeah there's no shame in it there's no shame in mental health there's no shame in loneliness there's no shame in being a single parent yes amen to that Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's so good. You have actually, without me asking the questions, you have actually covered everything I was going to ask you. In terms of your asking your story, what do you think about shame or embarrassment for people who do feel like that is a massive barrier to them reaching out? Maybe if we go into that a little bit more, I think maybe some people feel like they just want to get in a better place before reaching out. Because the, I guess like it can take a massive knock on your confidence if you're feeling yeah. lonely and isolated and you can begin to take it personally of maybe it's something about you, of why you haven't got as many friends or yeah, things you, like you, that. Would you have any tips on how people can just break through and be brave in asking somebody out for coffee or something like that when you don't feel super confident and you don't feel... Well, yeah, it's really difficult because that is, you know, very hard for me sometimes and very hard for other people. But what we got to try and remember when we think to ourselves, oh, that 
I feel really low. They're not going to want to be with... They're not going to want to talk to me. Why would they want to talk to me? I'm worthless. I'm not worthy of anyone being my friend. Well, those are just thoughts. They're not facts. Just all you've got to do is just get up, have a shower. Sometimes have a freeze it. If you've got really bad anxiety, which I've got anxiety disorder. I mentioned that once before. But I mean, get in the shower. I, have, I used to have freezing cold showers, yeah. literally. And you did sea swims, yeah. didn't you? So, because I get such a rush from yeah. something, like, from the shock of it. Mm. So, it, would re- it was like as if it was resetting my brain. So, basically, if I had the thoughts of feeling worthless and stuff like that, I'd think, right, they're not thoughts, they're not facts, they're just my thoughts. And then I get in a shower, have a freezing cold shower, make sure I do my hair and my nice and put my makeup on, look at myself, feel confident, and just get out that door. Yeah. Because if you don't connect with everyone, that's absolutely fine. Like, but you are gonna connect with some people. Like yeah. people you will have like a common thing with somebody, especially like if you with single parents, they've got single parent well being and they can do that. But, you know, if you're not a single parent, just go on to meetup.com and look at the hobbies and think, well, I'm interested in that. I'll just join a walking group. Mm. Join a... Set your own group up. Yeah. Like like I did. Like I set my own little group up. Can you talk a little bit about the wellbeing workshops? Because I feel like for... If anyone's listening who, like, really feels like they could do with a massive confident boost and that almost gentle you know readjusting back to like just getting to know people I feel like that could be the perfect place yeah, to start 100% so with the wellbeing workshops not only are they really empowering and compassionate they also are a place where if you want to connect with those single parents you can and always the single parents always in those groups connect with each other because we set up like a whatsapp group as well yeah so people are messaging back and forth we have a nice lunch at the end so they can just mingle and talk as well but then you've got the different things that we do which is like managing difficult relationships i'm not good enough which is about building confidence reacting positively and you learn all about the you know the inner critic it's like a parrot on your shoulder going, I'm not good enough, I'm good enough. And then you just flip the parrot off. I learned that. And then you've got, what else? Goal mapping for the future. So like doing vision boards for the future and my mental health. So yeah, everything, so good. if there's something that's stopping you and you're feeling alone and there's something stopping you like from meeting people and you want to learn how to feel better and more... I hate it when it, people say, oh, just be positive, because sometimes you can't be positive if you're feeling bad. Yeah. But then, so just take the leap of faith. You know, it's online on singleparentswellbeing.com. It's under Wellbeing Workshops. You can book online. There's loads of work. We've got another year of the workshops, and they're big lottery funded. We've been doing them for over five years, and they've got better and better. And you can also become an ambassador afterwards where you have one-to-ones would be you lucky people. 
and also it's a start to your journey if you're a single parent mm-hmm. and it's a start of meeting nice people connecting might not connect with everyone but you will connect with somebody yeah yeah definitely and what is your mental health manifesto be open about how you feel talk if you've got someone to talk to like talk to your friends talk to your family I always teach my son he must talk to me like whatever he says absolutely fine and also you know if you don't have anyone to talk to and you need counselling to help you through it mind is brilliant I went through counselling with mind I had 16 sessions brilliant and also if not you know, if you need to talk to someone, you haven't got anyone and you're not feeling very well, then talk to Samaritans. They're brilliant. They're 24-7. So it's all about talking and not accepting that you're going to be like this because I can reassure you now, it will pass. It will go away. Every day is different. And keep talking. Yeah, that's so good. And how would you encourage other single parents to maybe approach the subject of mental health with their kids? So Joseph knows that I suffer with something obviously called anxiety and depression. He's 11 now. And I just talked to him about it and just said, oh, this is, I actually bought a book once. I just can't remember what book it was now, but like just explained and there was pictures and stuff. And if you do suffer from it, you want to just tell them, you want to reassure them that it's nothing to do with them because they might feel, why is my mum sad? Is it my fault? But you need to make them reassured that it's nothing to do with them and just make it a quiet space, a happy space at home and just make them feel, give them lots of love, give them lots of cuddles, just ask them and just tell them they can talk to you about anything. From the moment they're very young, just say, talking helps. Do you know what Joseph says to me now? If he sees me a bit anxious or whatever, he says, you need to ring a friend um, to speak to someone. He knows. And I know, I know, if anything is really wrong... He will talk to me, but I always say, you can talk to your dad. Yeah. You can talk to Granny, you can talk to Auntie Hannah, you can talk to anybody. Yeah, and I think, like, some parents feel, I don't know, just maybe a bit guilty for how their mental health might be affecting them and their kids. But you've just literally just showed the example of actually how you're setting by example what you do when you're struggling and how he's so clearly picked up on that, that he's like, okay, time for a phone call with somebody. Yeah. That's so amazing to have that. Yeah. No, I know. And obviously when he was younger, he didn't pick up on it so much. But, like, obviously I'm not always like it. My mental health is very good at the minute. But who's to say that it won't be in a couple of weeks or whatever? But, because you never know. But the thing is... Be proactive. Don't accept how, it. How can we encourage the listeners to be proactive? I know you have already said go to meetings and things. 
But maybe like setting little goals of like even if it's like writing like two yeah. things down on a piece of yeah, so like on the kitchen or something. Well, even I write notes on my phone, so I literally will. And if I'm struggling with my mental health, I will like write a list of things and separate the days and only do like one of those things a day. It yeah. could be that when I'm suffering from my mental health, I'm only doing my washing. Mm. my clothes washing and taking them out of the washing machine yeah. and that is the only thing that I and just feel like well done me because I actually got my washing out and I was feeling really bad because if I had a cold mm. if I had a bad leg if I was physically unwell then you know I probably wouldn't even do the washing yeah so like yeah. you should be like patting yourself on the back and saying oh my god yeah how good am I yeah. I've just taken the washing out and never think it's hard to be proactive but if you're on your own you have to take that step and if you're feeling unwell you know take that step bring your gp ring like my gp knows me by my first name (laughs) and ring mine for counseling you know it's free the counseling it was brilliant it was the best counseling i had ever had yeah and you know really work on yourself i think don't get me wrong, if you are in deep, deep depression and the only thing you can do is sleep, then that's absolutely fine at that time as well. Yeah. Because, like, if you take your son to school and then you go home and you just sleep, because you're sleeping is your body taking care of itself. Yeah. And if that's the only thing that you did that day, well, that's fine. And then went to pick up your child and then acted like, pretended to act like normal. Yeah. And then, you know, so there are degrees of, you know, I'm not saying I'm this superhero, well, I am, but I'm not saying <laughs> well, I'm a, a superhero where I can just make myself do everything. But what I'm saying is, if you have got deep depression, do make a phone call to GP, do make a phone call to Mind, and also do go back to bed after you've done that. Yeah, yeah. But then if you're in that mediocre stage where you're feeling quite low, you feel sense of worthlessness and hopelessness, but you feel like you can do something, then just reach out to meeting people. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing advice. And it will pass. It will pass. And if you need reassurance every day, just you, there's friends out there that will reassure you every day and, you know, like with you sometimes, I'll reassure you and yeah. then you'll feel better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So reassurance yeah. is a big thing because it might be that it, people that suffer with, that don't suffer with their mental health can't really understand why that you're feeling that way. But you don't need someone to fix the problem because the problem mm-hmm. can't be fixed. It's more of a case of, just reassurance, hugs, cuddles, love, you know. There's someone out there for everyone. I recently met a new partner and he's absolutely adorable. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit more. Okay, go Let's on. tell the story. Okay, it's so such I a can funny be, one. I can be quite extroverted sometimes. <laughs> and I was meant to come over for a little, what was it, a little barbecue thing? So me and my neighbours have like a games night every now and again. And 
I had actually spoken about one of my neighbours to Rach and I was like, oh my goodness, that I suddenly could just see and I could see them making like the perfect couple. So I had mentioned it to you, didn't I? And I was like really excited about the possibility. So I was like, I know, next time we have a games night, I'll invite Rach round and, you know, you can just go from there and see if you get on. <laughs> and then I fell asleep. <laughs> and then we were, we were there, like, just, I was there, like, waiting for the moment for you to walk in. Half an hour later, still no signs. <laughs> <laughs> Typical me. Typical Rach had fallen asleep. I was gutted. But then she was like, oh, but I'm wide awake now and I'm ready to do something, so I'll come over. And at that point, I was already, like, back in my house, like, games night was over. So we were like, okay, we'll just have a catch-up instead, that's fine. And then it got to, like, it was only, like, half nine, ten-ish. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm knackered. And you were like, well, I'm wide awake. I know. So I think I was like, and as a joke, it was only a joke, I was like, oh, what, like why don't you just go and knock on Rich's door and just see if he wants to hang out? And you're like, yeah, okay. I know. And literally, I couldn't have looked worse because yes. I had a shower, hadn't dried my hair, had my beanie hat on, had my glasses on, had my tracksuit bottoms on, this big overcoat, my big scarf. And I was just like, well, text him and just say, can I come in for a coffee? Never met him before in my life. But I thought that's absolutely fine. So See, and this links back to how amazing you are at making connections and, like, meeting up with strangers because not many people would, like, turn up outside a stranger's door at 10, 11 o'clock at night and say, do you want to have a coffee? I know. Well, (laughs) let's get this clear. It's not... It wasn't just any strangers, though. You did know him. (laughs) Because I don't go knocking on people's door and go, do you want to make friends with me? Um, But... um, That's true. I had bigged him up. And I've been friends friends with him for ages yeah so I knew that he was a nice person (laughs) so I just knocked on the door and I said oh can I come in for coffee and he was like yeah no problem (laughs) not probably I think he was actually gonna go to bed but then I was like I just went in for coffee and I was the first thing I said because I literally sometimes my mouth just runs away with me as you can tell and then I just said, oh, what are you got in your fridge? I'm starving. <laughs> and, oh, I don't really like your sofa. It doesn't look comfy. Did you actually? I actually said those things. That's but so... I was, like, a bit, like, you know, a bit extroverted that day. That's so I was so like, um, So I went in, and he was, like, my brother-in-law, he said, if I'd said that to him, he said he would chuck me out. That's so funny. But then I went in, and I sat there with my beanie hat on, and my scarf and everything, because I was all, always feel the cold. And then we just talked and talked till midnight. And we just really, like, had a connection. And then we stayed friends for a while. Like, we started walking together. So sweet. And then we just ended up, like, holding hands. And then... The rest just, is history. The rest is history. And now oh, we've been together ha- six over six, six months. So good. So, moving on to our final question, and I'm looking forward to this one because I yes. feel like you're going to say something really nice. If you could go back and say anything to your younger self, what would you say? Oh, that gave me a little shiver then. Oh. I would say that, because I've had mental health issues since I was 18, and I'm 45 now, and I would say that... 
you are going to have bad days, but there will be good days and you will get through the bad times and just be brave and you're not alone. You are loved, you are liked, you are a wonderful person, a positive person. You suffer with your mental health, but people understand and will be there for you. And just be strong, stay strong. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. And it's so nice because I feel like you say that to everybody all of the time. Yeah. So anyone who is either older or younger than you, it is literally your mantra, which is one of the things I love about you. Yeah. And, like, I think that's probably why you're one of the most, like, compassionate people I've ever met because you have been through those days and you know what it's like. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people suffer with their mental health now and you can just, you can be open with it and talk about things and reassure each other because you could be suffering with your mental health a bit or just having a, even just having a low day and talking about it and then the other person starts talking and they're feeling the same and when you know you're in the same boat with someone you automatically feel better yeah yeah that's so true so i think the message of this podcast is keep speaking to people and being honest yeah And you don't need to feel alone any longer. Yes. You're not alone. Go and be proactive. Help yourself. And you will get there. And it will pass. You can make it pass. Yes. Thank you for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Compassionate Conversations Series 2. You can find us on Single Parents Wellbeing. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to our next episodes. See you soon.